Hey y'all, and welcome back to Queerly, a podcast where we talk about uh, queer depictions in media as well as general uh, queer-related topics, uh, mental health, etc., typically depicted in a media format. Uh, I'm Jackie, one of your hosts. Uh, Liz is still currently out of the country on vacation, so they'll be back uh, by probably the next episode, um, unless I get the random inspiration for another ramble. but today, what we'll be doing is I'm going to be talking about The Hundred, which is a show that was on the CW um, and ran for, I believe, a total of seven seasons. Um, if anyone has seen it, you'll, you'll understand what I mean by the title of this episode alone very quickly, I think. Um, but okay, so background first of all. And heads up, this is another one where it won't seem... LGBTQ plus related at first, but I just need to give you all of this background info to get to the point where I can discuss that. Um, okay. If you'd like to skip the uh, synopsis bit, just skip to 16 minutes and 50 seconds. So spoilers for the entirety of the show. To be honest, uh, not, <laughs> not really a huge deal in my opinion. Um, I, I, for context, I watched the show since it came out, which was, I believe, in 2012, 2013, um, and so, you know, teen years, I was in my, like, going to my teen years, so, that CW type of shows, they, they know their audience and how to get their audience, um, of course, there were older fans too, but, um, so I began watching, and it was around that time that, you know, Hunger Games and stuff was big, so female, like, that type of female empowerment and post-apocalypse and teens doing stuff on their own, that's always been a big thing, but that was especially big, um, and you can kind of see in how they filmed it and, like, the costumes and stuff that it was kind of based on the whole Hunger Games aesthetic, but, um, so basically, plot, plot, uh, the plot is, uh, Essentially, there is um, this huge space station called the Ark, and um, there are a bunch of others, but the Ark, uh, which is in space, because we basically nuclear warred the Earth, as you do, um, so we couldn't really live here anymore, uh, and they, instead of jailing the, any, what they, de- delinquents, so like, if you it's funny, because now thinking about it, because they had, like, two guys who smoked weed, um, and they got arrested for that. That was back when, like, legalizing marijuana, like, recreationally was still, I don't, I don't know if it was passed in any state yet, but it was still, like, a criminalized activity, um, which, looking back on now, is kind of funny. Um, but, Basically, they have this thing that they call the Skybox. All right, like, stick with me through the names. I know they're kind of like, when you when you listen to them too much, they're they're kind of uh, a, bit, a bit cringy. But um, Skybox, that's their prison system. There are a bunch of juvenile delinquents, all who are, you know, above the age of, like, 13. Most of them are above the age of 16, as you do. And they are running out of oxygen on the Ark, so they plan to send 100, hence the name, the 100, of these uh, prisoners to Earth to see if it's it's, uh, habitable yet. Um, 
And so they send him down. One of them, the I'd, I'd argue really the main character, um, is named Clark. She is the daughter of one of the main council members. Um, and her dad was the one who discovered the oxygen uh, deficit and then was what they called floated, which basically you get sent out of the, the um, sent out of the space station in a uh, vac in a vac into the vacuousness of space. Um, so that's that's always fun drama. Um, but yeah, they get to the Earth. Whoa, it's habitable. We're gonna play some uh, radioactive by Imagine Dragons because this is that year. Um, and you know they do the typical like post-apocalypse teen stuff, um, drama ensues, all of that good stuff. Um, so that's that's honestly season one. They have they find people on the ground, who they call grounders, yeah, um, and get in a fight and blah blah. That's season one. Uh, season two, and I'm gonna I'm gonna come back to season two and and three, but season two is um, when the LGBT plus Q plus um, content kind of comes in. Um, but, yeah, we're gonna talk about that later. Um, so season two, you have introduced a place called Mount Weather, where, uh, Clark and the gang, her, her I should mention her co-leader, Bellamy, who, like, they, it's weird. They always, they always said, oh, no, there's no, like, there's no romantic thing going on, but the way they wrote them is kind of, like, what you, what is your perception of platonic, like, friendship? This is not... I'm sorry, this is not it with these uh, specific types of glances and things. Um, but so they, the group gets split up. Uh, those two get split up in terms of location uh, for most of the season. And so the hundred and people from the Ark and the grounders are basically trying to rescue their people from Mount Weather where they are taking ba- bone marrow and doing like transplants because they can't. They, the people there have been underground during the entire thing, so they don't have the ability to withstand radiation, because radiation in the show works weirdly. Um, so just for any, for any people who know anything about science, um, uh, I'm sorry, um, but that's how it works here. Uh, so they go through that. They defeat Mount Weather. A bunch of people and children are killed, um, so that's, that's cool. Um, season three... Um, so that's when they introduce this AI called Allie, who basically tries to, um, mind control, essentially, mind control a bunch of people. Uh, like, they have to swallow this, like, chip. This, not, not like a potato chip, but like a, like a computer chip. Um, and then they forget all, like, painful memories and things associated with them, but, uh, remember the rest. Um... It's, 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 an, it's, the season's fine. Honestly, a lot of this show is just fine. Um, but, yeah, so that happened. Grounders and people from the Ark, the Hundred, they all work together again. Uh, they eventually defeat the, uh, the AI. There you go. That's season three. <laughs> um, season four. At the, so at the end of season three, they introduce a doomsday clock, essentially. Um, where there's going to be, um, the release of nukes, essentially, um, that the AI had already 
kind of set off at the end of last season. Um, and so that's, that's basically majority of what they're dealing with. They're trying to figure out who they can save, how many people they can get into these bunkers that already exist in the area. Um, it, when people are too far away, things like that. They're also dealing with increased radiation sickness, which again, the way it works isn't really, doesn't really make sense fully. Um, it's, it's very like Star Wars-y, but yeah, so all that, then they are doing some blood transfusions with specific people who have what they call night blood, basically means like your, I get, it's weird, it makes them like fully immune to the effects of radiation, which I'm sorry, but what? <laughs> what? Like, uh, why not? <laughs> why? Just, and, and, cause the way that they did, they they set it up. It's like this this person, who basically was one of the causes of the whole catastrophe that led to it being an apocalypse. Um, she was the first one with this black blood, and then came to the ground, and uh, she became like a god in the minds of the people who were on the ground. Even though you know the amount of time that they said passed doesn't make sense for any of this because they said like only a hundred years have passed. Yet there's all of these new languages. They don't know anything about the old world. I'm sorry, it's way too short of amount of time. But, but, um, so so she she came to the ground and she was like, no, I'm not gonna give any other people like I'm not gonna do. I'm a scientist. I'm a big bad scientist. I'm not gonna give anyone else my my uh, bone marrow. I guess or just try any transfusions or something. I'm just gonna let them all have normal blood, and I'm gonna just be immune to radiation, cause, uh, I'm, I'm selfish like that, I guess. So, that's, that's a plot hole. But, 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 season four, still, uh, everyone except Clark, essentially, uh, get off Earth or are in a bunker safe. Clark has the black blood now, um, and she is stuck alone without anybody for six years I think six yeah six years I want to say um and then we go into season five um season five oh no wait yeah no season five yeah okay cool <laughs> god I feel like a, a, it's been a, it's been now I think like a few years since the show actually ended but it's it's weird going back to the early seasons um so season five the, the people who were in space who are like the main group that's left of the um, the prisoners from the very beginning uh, they come back there's a new big bad prison mining colony that came to earth um, and then the people in the bunker have gone nuts kind of the cannibalism and things so there's all of that it all eventually gets resolved and the main group Basically, um, all, all the other people are, like, cryogenically frozen, but the main group, um, they take them with them, but the main group goes on a spaceship and leaves Earth, um, to another planet, because Earth, once again, <laughs> gets nuked, uh, and is no longer habitable, so that's cool. Um, Season six, they get to another planet. The planet has some weird, like, environmental stuff, which is kind of cool. There's a, there's a random bit where 
there's like a it's supposed to be like a a, a gel like um like clear gel like uh sand pit i guess or like um like where like you can sink in i don't know why i can't think quicksand that's the word it's like gel like quicksand but they ended up using and i re still remember this they end up using basically clear orbies and it looks so fucking weird um if you ever want like a random ass image to send a friend look up uh the hundred um octavia orbies and there should be an image of this woman basically like doing that hippo thing where you have something covering everything up to your like bridge of your nose and you're just kind of staring out but it's orbies in the middle of the woods so <laughs> that's a fun image um but so that planet there's some weird stuff going on there then there's a there are people on that planet um who were from earth a while ago turns out that the main family who was like initially researching there are still alive but they take over other people's bodies and of course only people who have the black blood um because you know that's totally makes sense <laughs> um but they basically uh use a drug kill the person then put a mind drive they call it um like holding a consciousness into onto the like onto the back of the head or like on the spinal cord of the person who they just killed um and that person then takes over the body they resuscitate it and yeah so that's a thing and then so clark of course she has black butt so this happened to her but she survives because of some yada yada from previous seasons um it's actually it's actually a relatively good season honestly like for the show it's not that bad if you had to give it a watch like yeah i'd say season five sucked but season six is it's pretty good um there's some other stuff but it's not really super important at this point um but then toward the end there's something called the anomaly and you have Octavia, who's Bellamy's sister, Bellamy, the, the co-leader, essentially, um, gets stabbed by a random person and then taken through it. Um, and Bellamy was kidnapped somewhere on another planet. <laughs> um, and so there's season seven. Oh, God. Season seven is like a mind fuck of what the hell is going on. Um, but main thing that happens is... There's another group of people in space on a different planet. Um, this time they have control over something that they call like, I think it's like an anomaly stone. Basically, it looks like it looks like um, if you took the the time stone from from uh, Doctor Strange and Avengers and stuff, and you you put it inside of like one of those hundred-sided uh da vinci like code toys where you have to solve it to open it it looks like that um and they can like teleport via that which is kind of weird but i guess cool and there's all these time differences between planets which is really weird and hard to keep track of but um basically there turns out <laughs> there are um <laughs> 
There are deity-like beings who judge the humans. They look like large rocks, um, so that's cool. Um, but they judge the beings, and there's all this war going on, and then Clark gets to the point where she can be judged by these beings. And they basically say, oh, alright, you're cool, I guess. Um, we're gonna send you and anyone who wants to uh, back to a habitable earth, um, and y'all can just chill until you die, instead of becoming a mortal in, in slash with us. I forget which, I think it's kind of both. Um, but yeah, so her friends who are left, uh, join her, and that's, that's the end of the series. That's, that's the full seven season recap to the best of my ability, um, to make it somewhat engaging for people who haven't watched it as well. Um, okay, I'm probably gonna put in timestamp. Um, um, so, LGBTQ plus stuff, queer stuff in this show. Um, there is, there are two background characters who essentially become, uh, a couple, a gay couple. Um, and they're, they're done fine. They, but they, they don't really, it's such a background element. Like, these characters are already side characters, but they're, the rest of, like, what's, what's going on you you forget that they're even that they're a couple honestly and i like i for a while followed the show even though i didn't like it i well i didn't it's not that i don't like it it's it's that the the where they go with the potential it annoys me a lot um but we'll get into that later um but you can there the characters are miller and jackson for anyone who has seen the show or is going to see the show um and yeah, there like there are some moments where they check up on each other, make sure they're okay, ask about each other, but that's really it. Like, yeah, there's no discriminatory things going on, so much nice, because um, you know it's supposed to be in the future, and like, we we have the, the the fucking Earth got nuked. Like, we have other shit to deal with. Um, I mean, we we today we have other shit to deal with, but uh, that's a whole another discussion. Um, but they're just so. They're just so negligible, you know, in the in the course of even just characters um, and character dynamics that exist. Um, so that honestly, like, I'm not a huge fan of of the way that they are done because of that. Like, they aren't done offensively. They just aren't really even done. Period. If you know what I mean. They just aren't. It's it's not. It's not something even really addressed at all in, like, the way that, you know, they'd address a straight couple being together. Like, even for the side characters. There are plenty of examples of that, because this is a show that was mainly a teen, young adult demographic, so, you know, all the shipping. Um, so, yeah, it was weird. Um, and then the other main uh, queer thing is with the main character, eh, character Clark, um, and then the grounders, who I'll remember, are the um, people who are on the ground still after the initial nukes, um, named Lexa. And if you honestly, if you've been on like Twitter or Reddit, um, in any type of like lesbian sphere, you probably have seen people with um, with usernames or making posts or anything with 
the phrase Klexa, which is their sh- like ship name. Um, so it was. I mean, it got it got around um, the show, but so they initially are like the two leaders who kind of butt heads but need to like work together in season two to take down the big bad evil guy um and they the way that they do their relationship slowly growing i think is well done because it because of the fact that they're both essentially the leaders of their groups um it has to begin with earning uh each other's respect um gaining each other's trust and respect so that's always a good groundwork for any relationship period um but then it goes into the 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 way that they escalate to them kissing is done fine i mean they're it's it's clark like um confronting lexa about some her actions and then her being afraid and stuff um and then I think Lexus says something along the lines of like, um, well, I'm not, I'm not with you or, or something like that, but they end up kissing. Um, and they never, they never really are officially a couple, I guess. Um, I mean, they, like, they, in terms of dialogue wise, like they aren't, they don't say anything like that. Um, but they basically are either kind of in that phase right before you actually date and are just flirting or going right into dating because um there is a scene later on in season three where they it's heavily heavily implied that they had sex (laughs) um right before she dies lexa that is um she gets shot literally right after they have a little scene of them like hanging out in bed together after having sex um which rubbed a lot of people the wrong way um which honestly so at the time I hadn't really thought about I thought that it was that bad I was thinking along the lines of like oh it's a show where a lot of people die all the time like she's technically a side character it makes sense for the story blah 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 but you it's taking it into context because Clark at the time um bisexual characters I mean any, any queer characters in general, like, main characters were kind of hard to come by. Um, but by characters especially, I felt. And so, seeing that she, Lexa and Clark, them being together, quote-unquote together, um, was really the first indication of Clark being bisexual. She was, like, the only one who, um, there was any hinting at of that. Um... It was very, it was probably, it was, I'd say very important, especially with the fact that it did reach more of a teen audience, so like a younger, more impressionable audience, um, to show that, you know, like, a main character can be queer, and non-queer people can still relate to them, even if they don't relate to them, they can still like them, that's how, you know, friendships work, um, and so... I think her death, because she was only around for about a season and a half before she was... No, even less than that. It was a season and seven episodes. And each of the seasons, I think, has like 15 to 20 episodes. Oh, so maybe that is a season and a half. I guess I can't do math, apparently. Um, so I'm going to fail out of out of cl- my school. But... <laughs> um, 
But, yeah, so she wasn't around very long. And keep in mind, this was a seven-season show. Um, she does come back later as, like, quote-unquote spiritual, like, guardian when, when Clark is going through shit. Um, and then when those, like, weird supernatural deity beings come back, they come back in her form. But it's more, that, that point is more just fan service, I guess, and, like, trying to, to, um... Uh, quell people who had issues originally with her death. Um, and on it, now looking back on it, I'd agree that's kind of an issue um, It's akin to barrier gaze. I think that obviously there wasn't that intention by the creators or actors or whatnot, um, but it did end up fitting within that, um, that category. Uh, because after that, um, Clark, or actually, no, it's before that, Clark, um, has, like, a one-night stand with, uh, a random other grounder girl. Um, and it's, the scene is so awkward of them, like, having sex, but not really. And then, after that event, because you see that character again many, many times, um, like, everywhere. They really, they never talk about it again. It's like, it's, it's the most awkward thing. Uh, and so those two occurrences, so Lexa and then that one grounder girl, that's all that we see of Clark being attracted to women. So that, and that all is encompassed in a season and a half out of a seven season show. So that is, it, it does lend itself to being kind of problematic. Um, not to say that there's no value in that it shouldn't be watched or that it didn't, you know, introduce a, a bisexual character, which is always, especially then, um, was very important. Um, I think that at that point it was around 2015, um, and it was, it's CW, so it's, it's very, uh, mainstream, typically cookie cutter type shows, uh, that gets a really wide audience. Uh, including people who are more le uh, right-leaning or socially conservative. Um, but it it kind of failed in what it was attempting to do. So it's, it's a mixed bag on that front. Um, and that, I think that is really it in terms of any queer people on the sh or, uh, characters on the show. I believe there may have been a trans actor at one point, but I don't fully remember because they weren't a main character. <laughs> so they're kind of, you know, not as valuable, um, in terms of the story. But yeah, so that's, that's issue number one when it comes to like queerness. Issue number two is more, uh, leaning into that, um, quote unquote, bad ass women angle. So, if you recall from the last episode talking about Stranger Things, if you've listened to it, um, if you haven't because of spoilers, no worries. Basically, I was talking about how, um, how one of the characters, Nancy, and this isn't a spoiler, that's just how she's written. Um, she, how she's portrayed, she's portrayed as being a pretty, like, tough, badass character without being portrayed as non-feminine. So, she's able to dress more femininely, um, without her being, um, 
her having to strip that away anytime she wants to be taken seriously or uh, needs to do something that's that's considered like badass, which is very respectable because a lot of things still today, they, uh, a lot of shows, TV, books, they'll still do that. Um, and this, this show, The 100, is no exception to that because, um, again, it was also following the Hunger Games type trend and it was from like 2014 when it started. So I'd say, l- yeah, literally, maybe not literally, almost all of the characters, like bar maybe one that I can think of, um, when they are being badass, they're a- either A, a villain who is acting in that whole, like, femme fatale way of, oh, this this hot woman's being deceptive and going to trick these main characters and using her feminine wiles um, and being underhanded, all that kind of stuff. Or B, um, basically all femininity is stripped away. Um, any traits that are, are considered, um, uh, of course, this is... Um, in the context of what's what's considered um, the the social and cultural norm for femininity at this time, um, not to say of course that uh, people who uh, are feel feminine or feel um, attached to femininity have to display these things. Um, just wanted to make that clear. Um, but basically, all of them, they're the clothes that they wear. Albeit, yeah, they're, it's post-apocalyptic, and they are um, wearing mostly just, like, scavenged clothes as well as things from the Ark. But most of their clothing is very, uh, very, like, you, you would see the same exact outfit on a guy, which that in itself isn't a bad thing. But all, all of the women who... Uh, who like survive to the end as well as ones who don't but are still portrayed as being powerful female characters um they all have this going for them um and it it comes off as false it comes off completely false like a lot of these things do um where in order to be considered uh tough cool all that badass I don't like how many times I'm saying badass, but that's the only thing I can think of. Um, they have to reject their femininity and basically become a guy. Like, they, they take the place of a guy. And that's under that's underwriting, or not underwriting, that's basically undermining the, um, the whole message of strong women. Because then you're just saying strong women are men. Basically, to be a strong woman, you need to act like a man. You need to be like a man, and that's it. You can't be a woman. Um, and that, I think, like, we do still have that today, but I think we're starting to get away from that, which is nice. But this this uh, show is definitely a prog- product of its time in terms of how that's done. Um, so, yeah, that's not as, not as great. Um... And building off of that, um, I wanted to kind of talk about with The Last of Us, and I guess more part two, we'll, we'll go into, um, we'll do a whole episode um, on both uh, the first game and the second game, 
and the more um, specifically queer side of things. Um, but when it comes to depictions of women in uh, the second game and the whole issue of people treating femininity and strength as being um, mutually exclusive, I think the game does a pretty good job of avoiding that. Um, while Ellie, yeah, Ellie kind of embody, embodies like the the more tomboyish uh, lesbian, which which I fully um, relate to. Um, you have characters that are like um, that are like Dina, and you have characters who are like Abby. Where yeah, both of them um, like have their have their strength, whether it be physical or mental or uh, I guess guns, <laughs> um, but they still retain their qualities of femininity of being with Dina, um, at least from how I view it. Yeah, she can be like kind of bold, brash in her humor, but generally she's kind of on the quieter side in in dialogue between her and Ellie. Um, she is, she has a, I guess, not, I don't want to say physical look, but she, she, the way she appears is more, um, typically feminine. Um, she herself is also a bisexual character, which is always cool. Um, and it's never, uh, and that is never, like, something that has to be discussed about her being attracted to, uh, both genders, between her, like, discussed between her and Ellie, or her and, um, oh no, I'm forgetting his name. How can I forget his name? I've played the game so much. Um, and Jesse, that's his name. Um, for, for context, I, so I played that game, so I played that game immediately when it came out. I ended up replaying it, uh, twice, uh, after that, and then I played through Grounded, which, took me double the time that it took me, uh, over double the time that it took me to finish the game on, uh, normal and hard. Um, which if you ever, if you ever want to connect with a character, uh, hard, play grounded, uh, for Last of Us Part 2. Cause, um, I, I honestly, I mean the, the, the additional playthroughs helped, but I, I definitely was able to connect a bit more with Abby, and I know some people have issues with that. Um, I am a person who kind of... I relate a lot to both characters in their actions and thoughts. Um, so I'm... I'm I, personally, I really love the game. I know it's kind of a controversial opinion. Um, I know that that's not the case with the first game. Uh, but even even in the first game... Um, or, wait, no. I should talk about Abby first <laughs> in the second game. With Abby, um, I know that there was this whole hullabaloo of people seeing her leaked art and saying, oh, this is, why, why is this, why did they just slap a woman's face on a man's body and things like that, which was so stupid. Um, but they, they, even though her, her build is, I mean, it's, she's modeled after, like, a, a, a woman, um, I don't, it's not CrossFit, it's not MMA, I forget what it is, but, like, intense bodybuilding shit, um, but even though she has what I guess could be considered a more, more typically masculine look to her physically, 
um, she still retains that femininity in how she is portrayed. Um, she still uh, flirts in a more, I guess, I guess more feminine way. I don't know how to describe exactly. Um, she, uh, when she's younger, she acts like a, a young girl. Um, she, well, it's not that she acts, I don't, it's hard to explain exactly. Um, it basically, I don't feel that she could have been, uh, just swapped for like a, a kid, a boy named Abe or something. Um, it wouldn't have like the way that's written wouldn't have felt as right. Um, and so, yeah, they, cause she is like a pretty, she's like a, built like a brick house, man. She's strong as hell. But, um, but they don't, they don't feel that they need to make her more macho masculine, um, to, to emphasize or validate that fact, you know? Um, and so I, what I was trying to say originally with the first game, um, I kind of went on a tangent there, I guess. Um, with the first game, you also see that when it comes to things like, uh, like even just the, the spoilers for the first game, if you haven't played it yet, it came out in like 2013. It's almost 10 years. Please play it. Uh, a series is coming out soon, but it's going to have a different, it's going to have a different, some different plots points. Um, so just play the game. It's really good. Um, also, for anyone who hasn't heard, uh, apparently, uh, Ashley Johnson and Troy Baker, who originally played, uh, Ellie and Joel in the f- first game and second game, um, they will be playing what, what the statement has said was major roles in the HBO series. We don't know the roles yet, they've kept it really well under wraps, but they will have major roles, which is, I think, really, really cool and always fun, um, uh, but back to the first game, the way that Sarah, uh, Joel's daughter, who eventually, spoilers, dies, um, she is, she's not really exactly portrayed as the helpless little girl, like, character who needs, like, needs dad to protect her. Obviously, she is, like, 13, um, there are zombies, so, yeah, she can't really hold a gun at the time. Obviously, there is going to be a level of helplessness, but the thing is, that doesn't make her into a character with a helpless personality, per se, the way she behaves. I mean, we see in the opening scene that she has, like, a kind of spunky, sarcastic sense of humor, um, she's pretty witty, uh, with her joking with Joel, um, and she isn't stupid when it comes to uh, when Joel is gone and things are starting to go to shit, um, she checks the TV, she sees an explosion nearby, she knows things, what, like, that things are happening, she's quiet, she's around the house, she is looking for any evidence of her dad, um, and even when her leg is hurt, she, um, she puts, she's like, it's putting trust in her father rather than putting, you know, oh, I can't, like, I need you, I need someone to save me type thing when he, Joel is carrying her and has to carry her, uh, across town through, like, a bunch of, a bunch of zombies and people. Um, and then, I mean, that's a relatively short example, though, because she's not in the game very long. Um, but then you go on and you see th- people like, uh, Tess and Marlene. And again, they don't f- come off as those, those 
masculine, like the, the masculine, ugh, I can't speak right now, man. Um, those women who are made strong by being, uh, made to be more masculine in either, or, uh, either appearance and or personality, um, and action. So with Tess, cause Tess's whole dynamic with uh, Ellie when they meet, I f- it it comes off as like a almost maternal mentor. Um, just the small dialogue they have, small like reassurances um, to Ellie at a time when Joel is uh, trying his best not to get attached, um, making sure that she's okay and safe. And those are things that you know you usually wouldn't see with a character who's supposed to be like a like a. I don't know, not Duke Nukem. <laughs> um, that's, maybe that's not the right one, because that's a whole... that He's like a fucking Johnny Bravo character, but you wouldn't, you wouldn't really expect that kind of behavior from a character in, for example, like, I don't know, the COD franchise, which that, that also has a really bad way of, um, of taking women and trying to turn them into men to make them appeal to men as, as being strong. Um, and also making them hot, it's the whole Megan Fox and Transformers, hot girl that's just one of the boys type thing, um, but this game, I think, really, really succeeds in avoiding that with Tess, um, because she is, like, she became a, a real fan favorite, she, again, spoilers, ends up dying, like, I guess relatively early in the game, you have a decent amount of, uh, time with her, though, and she is, I mean, she's, like, the brains of the operation, and, like, has some decent brawn. She's the one who's really in control of the duo that is, um, her and, and Joel. Um, and you never feel that she is, again, never feel like you could just replace her with, with, um, a random, a random guy. Um, you just feel fully fleshed out. And then later on when you meet Marlene, Marlene, you see a lot less, so it's hard to, uh, it's hard to exactly go through her character um but yeah I mean I don't know I feel like those games do a really good job with women um and I do I am gonna honestly I'm gonna make a I'm gonna make a uh, another mini mini-sode on Last of Us and part two um after this I think um I'll probably post the same day but I just don't want to make this one too long and also don't want to have to be flip-flopping back on what uh, topic we're actually discussing. So I'm going to end it, uh, here, basically. This will, I guess this will serve as part one of Last of Us, uh, discussion. Um, but I, I hope you enjoyed another, uh, another, um, un, untamed rant and ramble of mine. Um, so I will be posting that. I'm going to, I'm going to post that right after this one, actually. Um, and then I also just wanted to say a quick shout out to our international s- listeners. Uh, we have a few in Belgium, England, um, and it looks like even one in Russia. So I just want to say a huge thank you to you guys. Um, and I hope everyone's doing well. As always, you can find us and our episodes on our website at www.queerlyapodcast.com. You can also find us on Twitter at queerly underscore podcast. Um, and you can find all of our links at, um, at both the website and the Twitter account.
Uh, and you can listen to us on our RSS page. You can listen to us on Google Podcasts now has been added. Uh, we're also on Apple Podcast and we're on um, Spotify. So you can you have a pick of the litter in terms of platforms. So we hope to have you guys stick around. Um, and so I will see you guys very soon uh, in the next segment going in more detail to The Last of Us. But um, I hope this wasn't too boring. I hope uh, I hope you guys enjoyed. So yeah, and I hope you all have a have a good day. And I'll see you next time.